Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. When I write y'all, all across the USC, Compton, Watts, Bay to LA, from on the California, from valley to valley, we represent that killer county. So if you keeping it real on your side of your town, you tune in to Gangsta Chronicles. Gangsta Chronicles, we gon' tell you how it goes. Uh, Nose will grow like Pinocchio. We gon' tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. Gangsta Chronicles, this is not your average show. You're now tuned into the real MCA, Big James, and Big Stale. This is strictly from the streets. Hello. We represent the Welcome to the Gangsta Chronicles podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Black Effect Podcast Network. Make sure you download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangsta Chronicles. For my Apple users, hit the purple mic on your front screen, subscribe to the Gangsta Chronicles, and leave a five-star rating and comment. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? We'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Gangsta Chronicles podcast. And you know what? I'm doing something a little different today. My nigga Eight has some things to do. He about to hit that road and go get this money. And the homie James got some shit going on. But 
going to get with them later on because right now I got a very special guest co-host, one of my homeboys from who got that fire podcast, one of the best hip-hop artists around, songwriters, overall talents in the game, Fiend. Whoa, not. Nah. What it do, man? And I got the South up in this motherfucker today. I got a co-host that's from the N.O., and I got a guest today that's from ATL. The homie has some smashes. Around 2019, 2019, 2018, uh, some type of way. Walk through some of my favorite records, jams. Thank you, man. Thank you. ATL's own Rich Homie Quine. And by the way, new album is out now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, Family and Moolah. All right now, Family and Moolah on all streaming platforms. And if you haven't done so yet, go to YouTube and jam that new single or go to your favorite streaming site and jam that new single, Risk Takers. Yes, hey, sir. It's going crazy. It's going crazy everywhere. You know what I mean? Really Atlanta. Really Atlanta. Oh, for really sure, Atlanta. for sure. Quan, what it do, man? How you feeling, baby? Oh, man, I'm blessed, man. Highly favored, man. I'm glad to be, you know, with you, with you guys today. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. You know, one of the things I want to jump off with, man, you from Atlanta, which yeah. undisputedly right now is the capital of hip-hop. And I've been fortunate right. enough, as well as Fiend, to see it just that crown kind of jump around the country, right? Uh-huh. You know, I remember the East Coast had it at first. Then the ball bounced across the country, the West Coast. Sure. West Coast had a little chokehold on it, you know, not just um, Southern California, but the Bay as well. They had sure. their movements going, you know. Then it bounced down to the South. Yeah. You start yeah. seeing different groups emerge from the South. I'm old enough. I'm old, dog. I ain't young like you. I don't got the blessing <laughs> of youth like you. But I remember the time when the South started emerging. And I remember in the ATL, when there was really only a few relevant rappers. Yeah. And now y'all don't took that bitch over, dog. I oh, know. Nah, we have, man. One thing I, like, I always try to tell people in Atlanta, try to get the mind set of Atlanta. Like, growing up, man, I know a lot of artists can, test, uh, can attest to this, man. It was more radio in the hood than TV. You feel me? Mm-hmm. That being said, like, it was a feeling because it was a sound. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. That's all we knew was, you know, the radio. Like the radio, barbecue and radio. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, the old, the older people, uh, beers, coolers, and the radio. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for real, for real. I got family down in the ATL, and you got to throw the church in there too, bro. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Like church was like, I think that put the melodic in Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You feel me? You know, church make everybody feel like they the same. You feel me? Even yeah. if it's holding a little tone, or you know what I'm saying? And, you know, but like I ain't gonna lie, yeah. We went, I went to church every Sunday as a kid. As I got older, you know, like, I was trying. Well, you to probably didn't have no. You probably didn't have no choice when you was a little kid if your mama no, was I like mine. Yeah, I didn't. I had no choice. Yeah. I had to be you know, Sunday school as well. You feel me? Like I was. There. Yeah, for sure. Because Sunday it was like a job, man. My mama coming there, and then she come with the switch next. If you weren't getting up, you know, they put the Vaseline all in your face, man. You got the, the shirt on with the thick collars and stuff, the tie, the clip on. You on you out the door. <laughs> but man, with that being said, you had a promising baseball career. For sure, for sure, yes, sir, in, yes, sir. In college playing baseball, how long had you had that music bug? Because I'm pretty sure it just didn't pop up on you overnight and say, "Hey, man, I'm gonna start going go rap." Pretty sure you yeah. had been doing it for a hobby for a minute. When did you decide that, man? I need to do this professionally. Um, I was well. First, let me say the music bug had probably been in me since like the third grade. You feel me? I had play, I played the trumpet in the band. Okay, so, okay. Uh, you feel me? So like my dad bought me a box, um, a trumpet, 
And at that time, like, I don't even know how to like music, you know what I'm saying? But I'm in the band. As I get to middle school, they want me to go, you know, do the, do the football game. I'm like, so I go out there one day. I'm like, nah, I'm definitely not going to be able to play football game. I really want to be on the football field. But baseball, my thing, I'd rather kick it over here with my dogs and the girls. So I always, like, love girls. Girls always get me on trip. I've been like that. You feel me? So I would definitely say start. Music probably started just taking a break for me, man. I'd probably say 2000. 2011, beginning of 2012. Oh, for sure, for sure. And um, from there, what did you do? You just started. Now, you decided, what was your parents saying to you when you told them, when you told your mama, call home, told your people, man, I'm going to leave this shit alone and I'm going to rap? Uh, like, everybody, looked, everybody thought I was crazy. Oh, I wouldn't say crazy. It's just like, I know you want to do the music, but the music ain't paying no bills. You know what I'm saying? At this oh, point, okay. I'm, I'm, not feeling, I'm not feeling the school no more, the baseball. That's not where my heart is. You feel me? And it's like I'm seeing these kids go to college and they getting regular jobs. And I just didn't want to be one of those that fall into that category. So I just told her, like, I'm going to chase this. Like I said, at first it was hard. Like, she would come home. I only got three or four people in there. She going off. Like, Shut this shit down. All y'all get out of my house. I don't know these niggas. I had to respect it. But at the same time, it just, like, it drove me. It drove me. Like, I'm going I'm to show it's going to work. I'm going to make her believe it's going to work. You know? For sure, for sure, for sure. You ain't got no choice at that point. Come on, man. And none, none whatsoever. You feel me? And then I know, like, I had all my chips on the table. Like, I ain't had no plan B. Like, music was the plan B. It was baseball or music. And after that, I ain't had no plan C. So, got to make plan B work. Oh, for sure, for sure. And that's how it goes down, man. So, you originally signed with um T.U.G. Tug Entertainment, right? Oh, uh, yeah, T.I.G. I think it's a game. Yeah, think it's a game. Think it's a game? I remember that shit. It was a tag at the beginning of almost every song. Yes, How did that situation come out? Now I assume that was an independent label. Uh, of course, that definitely was an independent label. That situation came about, I would say, like the end of 2011. Um, I'm doing some little hustling with my buddy. Them ain't going to say what I was doing. But I took the rest of that last little bit of money and put them in some CDs. And at this, and at this time, man... Uh, this was back around, you were going to put the CDs like in a gas station. You would put the CDs mm. in your local, uh, like the clothing stores. And one of the hottest clothing stores, the boutiques was called Fly Kicks. And mm. T.I.G., the, uh, the CEO of T.I.G., he owned Fly Kicks. But everybody knew Fly Kicks to be like a staple in Atlanta. Got all the new drops, um, the clothes. When I say drops, I mean the Jordan, whatever type of thing. Phone pilots was hot then. Got all the phone pilots. It was just like the spot to be. Downtown, so I wanted to make sure my CD got in there. So I gave some to my brother. My brother gave some to his friend Jay to put him in the front up there. I want to say, uh, Fly got, I know I want to say, Fly got one of those CDs. He ended up calling me and it went from that phone call to us sitting down, from us sitting down to probably, I probably signed it like a year later because I had to fill him out as an individual. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be honest, like at that time in my career, I didn't know nothing about no entertainment lawyer. You feel me? Which I probably should have had. Like, and that's the end mm -hmm. of your I would definitely say, get you an entertainment lawyer, man, before you get a manager. Because the entertainment lawyer is who, entertainment lawyer is who protects you. And like I said, at this point, I didn't know nothing about that. I just want to rap. You feel me? So about a year into that, man, I present me with the paperwork. I signed. I signed, man. I don't really say it took off overnight. But the music was already prepared. And with me being so hungry and young, man, I knew all I really needed was an investor because the music was microwave ready. 
Mm-hmm. So eventually you mentioned the importance of, um, you know, you were telling young people, younger artists, the importance of having an entertainment attorney. And you are right because there are so many moving pieces when it comes to a record deal and putting yeah. an album out and that money coming in in so many different ways. And like you said, you're a hungry young rapper. You just want to rap. And did he, I'm not saying you got a business. I don't mm-hmm. know nothing about the business. And, I, and that's when anything you're in, if you're in NFL, you need to learn about the business. I was in music, so I knew I had to learn about the business. But me, man, being so young, I just want to be heard first. And if it worked, I learned about the business later. That was my mind frame. Mm-hmm. So we go go back a little bit. Nafine, I'm sorry, man. I know I'm rapid fire with the questions, <laughs> man. But I'm really nah, it's, it's but, interesting. It's interesting as hell. I'm listening to him one day. You heard me like this is dope. Cause I'm a fan of my man's right there. Again, you a very gifted songwriter. Cause that's what I pay attention to. I pay attention to melodies. I pay attention to lyrics, but those aren't, I don't want to say this, they go kill me in the comments. Those aren't as really as important as relating to somebody. Sure. You can have, there's some rappers that got boo-boo lyrics, but they relatable as hell to people. People relate to them. Exactly. There's a segment of people that relate to them. And that's what it's all about is translating that music. Did you come with that off the top, man, or was that something that you developed along the way, your pen game, as far as hooks and melodies? Um, It definitely wasn't something I had in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, like I probably wrote my first rap, man, or my first real rap, probably like at 13, 14. But at that time in my life, I ain't been through no adversity. All my songs was about whatever I had going on around, my clothes, my shoes, and wanting to get some girls and go to the mall. That's what everything was about. You know what I'm saying? So as I went through adversity, and I'm looking at my favorite artists, you know what I'm saying, from your parks and all that. And like, Biggie was a better lyricist than Park. And I know they're going to kill me in the comments. No, that, that's real. It's, it's the truth. But Park was more relatable. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, Park had more relatable scenarios. So, me looking at my, my best artists, you know, my favorite artists, and want to take something from them. And I just love the way Park music will make me feel. So that's what, like when I say it's a feeling. So I wanted I wanted people to feel my music, and I had to come with some relatable situations because everybody in mom was rapping about the clothes, the cars, and the gun. Mm-hmm. I just want to come like I had something different to offer and make people fall in love with the storytelling. You know what I mean? And the pen. Yeah, for real. And one of the things I admired about you is that you a brand new artist from Atlanta. Yeah. And I know you have been probably putting in work down there in the mixtapes, you know, on the mixtape circuit and all this. So you had a base already in Atlanta. Yeah. But outside of Atlanta, that was their first time hearing you. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that was their first time hearing me. And outside of Atlanta, that was the first time I really, like, wrote goals for myself because I felt like it was reachable. I felt like I can do it. So before then, like, I never thought my music would get outside of 285. And that's how I express the way they go in the circle. You feel me? So, like, I didn't look for the music to be as big as it got. But once it got outside of Atlanta, it made me want to crack down on my pen games. And it's just even before some type of way or walk through because I'm seeing the potential and it's giving me confidence. You feel me? Like, you can do it. It can be rich now. Mm-hmm. And it people woke up listen. a monster in me. It could be rich now. You feel me? You know, the people listening outside of Atlanta. Atlanta, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's real dope, dog. So we could single some type of way. Yes, yeah. Like I told you, I told you what my introduction was to it through my kids. You know what I mean? They jamming that motherfucker. I'm going down the street. This shit makes you want to bob your head like this. You know what I mean? Because it's jamming. Did you have that record previously to sign the TIG Entertainment? Uh, no, I did not have that uh, record 
pretty much there before I signed with TIG. So when I signed with TIG, and this is me being all the way funky, man. It's like 11 years ago, and I signed. Like me, man, I'm young. I'm like, I think I signed a deal at 22, 21, 22. I'm young. And I know I'm going to fuck, fuck the money if I get it in one lump sum. You feel me? So I told Fly, like, look, Fly, and that's the CEO of TIG. I was like, look, we're going to divide this number up for a year. I mean, you know, for a week, every week, 52 weeks in a year. I took the number, divided it by 52. So he paid me so-and-so dollars every Friday. Mm-hmm. But we'll come with that. I like, but we'll come with the money. Bro, just keep me in the studio so I can look at it as a job. You know what I'm saying? I didn't go buy no car. I didn't go buy no chain. But I did go to the mall every week, make sure I had some fresh gear on. Because that was just still mm-hmm. me. Well, you a rapper, dog. You got to yeah, exactly. so I'm trying to, like, I want to feel like a rapper, like it's a job to me. But it's a job I love doing. So in the midst of the time for me going to the studio, for me signing the paper, next week I'm in the studio every day, five days a week. Probably like my second Monday to the studio, I dropped some type of way. But I'm doing shows on the road. Let's make a long story short. I stopped getting the money I was getting within four weeks, four months of me signing the paper. Like I stopped getting it because I was on the road. I didn't even need the money no more. So when I did the litigation, I got some of that money back because I never got my, I never got what I signed for. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Got so fast. Like a lot of the songs were already ready. But some type of way was like I definitely felt some type of way because I knew what we were gonna do. Yeah, for sure. So you told us earlier in the interview that you didn't have no entertainment attorney and that stuff. The discrepancies start popping up because you got big records at this point. You had that record, you had the some type of way record. Then when walkthrough came, you got, like, you got my nigga, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, this yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, yeah, all of them. It's like you ran that summer, dog. Yes, it's like every other week a new record was coming out. So when did you notice the discrepancies? Because see, you caught yours early. Usually yes. niggas don't catch that shit the three or four years later, man. When they looking back, like and they get to thinking. But you I caught yours early. Yeah, I would definitely say it came, man. Because at the same time, like I've been on the road, man, for my last eleven years. And in the beginning, and this the time we're talking about, I never knew my shows were gonna slow down. Once I got to a 50 or 60 or so, I thought that's what it would stay in. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, honestly, and I'm going to be honest. Like, when them shows start slowing down, I'm like, damn, I hear myself on the, on the radio, but where that money going? And that's when I just got in tune, like, all the way with my bees. All the way. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, that's usually when it happens, man, because me having a background in the music industry, I see it. When artists first come in and you trying to talk to them, I was a good a and I would actually sit dudes down, listen, go get you an attorney, don't use no attorney they recommend till you go exactly. get it. But I'm going to tell you, when they turn, by the time when they look at their agreement, I see it all the time with these kids. They in there usually with their mama. They with their mama all the time. They're not with no attorney and nobody else. They look at that paperwork. When they get to page three, when they start talking about the money, and that check is at the top of that motherfucker and, the, and the, clipped onto that paper, clipped onto that motherfucker, they don't care a fuck about what's being said in that motherfucker. It could be wow. saying, you go give me your mama and your firstborn. They see that. 100 racks up there, that 50 racks or whatever it is, and they signed it. They out of there. Oh, I trust you. We family. We family. They gone. Then a few years later, and it's always when stuff starts slowing down. That's yeah. when you get the clarity to say, man, I'm not getting this show money. I'm not getting booked the way I was, because it goes fast, dog. You know that, and, like, I didn't wait till the money just slowed down, slowed down, because I always had, like, I always had a full team and people in the right positions that care about me like my dad was my manager so 
Even when I'm on the road doing them shows, my daddy on the line with TIG every day, like, where the money? You see what I'm saying? So, like, we didn't wait till it get too late where I'm just, well, I need, well, I know, like, I can't survive. Nah, man. Like, I had already put myself in positions where I ain't even trying to be in no situation where I got to ask no man for my paper. You know what I'm saying? Period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So after the litigation, like, I just learned so much going through that two and a half years. It might have been, like, the darkest time in my life because I couldn't drop. You feel me? Like, mm-hmm. I see my peers drop. I see my friends, my dogs, them dropping. And me knowing how much I love music, it started messing with my mental. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. So this is very important, man. You had, you had a previous case. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. And it wound up getting dismissed. That could have potentially curtailed your career. Yeah, man. Of course, it could have derailed it, man. But I felt I, I knew though in my mind though, like I can't just say I knew it was gonna get thrown out. But I knew like as committed I was to God, myself, and my music, He wasn't gonna let me go out like that. That's a blessing, man, that you still here. Because a lot of people don't escape from that. It's a lot of dope-ass artists, dog. I got incredible artists, dog. History that I had paperwork and attorney. We going back and forth. And next thing you know, you don't hear from dude for a while. You don't hear nothing. And then these people get in touch with one of their homies. Hey, man, he locked up, but he want to get at you. Hold on. He on the phone. And right. it's like, man, I can't remember what you from inside of that, bro. Oh, yeah, because it shows like that I ain't, I ain't, I didn't want my investors to feel like I wasn't, um, serious or focus on you know what i was supposed to do like investors turn your back on you you back at ground zero you know square root one so you know what i mean so i'm keeping this in mind like i care what the media saying you know my kids getting older i know they can google me and i care about what pop up you know yeah for sure without a doubt man you know i'm noticing something going on particularly in atlanta right now you know since we on the talking about law and stuff like that in jail time it's like the hip hop police don't made their way down there now. Yeah. <laughs> and they catch your motherfuckers up, dog. And that's you have to be. Does that impact your songwriting when you know? Because you know, as rappers and writers, you inspired by stuff that goes on around you. Right, it's sure. not necessarily no, no shit you don't did. It might be something that one of your partners did. So you usually put that in rap form. Yeah. You know, or it's, it could be an inspiration for a potential song. How does the fact that they throwing motherfuckers in a slammer now for shit that they might see on the record, how does that impact your songwriting? Um, to be honest, and this me being all the way 100, it doesn't affect my songwriting because, like, my songwriting doesn't come from, like, shoot em up, bang, bang, art music. Yeah, for sure. My songwriting come from, like, hustler music, motivational music. So as far as it affecting the way I write, it doesn't. But I feel like it's a fit then a lot of my rap buddies, a lot of, you know, rappers, because of the narrative they put in the song. If I'm talking about guns and violence, it's like, I look at it like the more we keep rapping about guns and stuff, the violence gonna stay out. Yeah, for sure. Like, well, the, most, like the, the music is more cultural influence than anything, than anything from the videos to the clothes. Like, if a rapper do it, it looks more relatable for the normal person to do it. So if I'm right here talking about shoot them up, art music, bang, bang, I know when I go to these shows, man, there's probably going to be some guns out here, probably going to be a couple of fights. So I try to watch what I say, govern my words. And, like, because I had, like, a situation that happened, like, years ago with some music got leaked. 
and I said some references about some girls, but I ain't. But at the same time, the songs got leaked and the songs went done. So that right there just put my cap on. Like I don't even want to go. I gotta recant or make anything. So before I get in there, let me make sure this shit makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Let me make sure I'm giving the right game out. And that's, I feel like that's what it's about. It's about the message us rappers put out there. And the message you put out there is it's almost like we put a target on our back. So we're going to put a target on ourselves. That's because I'm going to put a target on my back for talking about investing, talking about staying in school. I'm going to put a target on my back for telling them not to buy jewelry. And it's just about, you know, what you talk about that creates the type of, you know, the type of listeners you get. You feel me? The type of people in your crowd, and even your fans. Like, I don't want no fan of nothing but niggas with guns. I like girls. So if I'm going to be a rapper <laughs> for the women, that's what it's about to me. Nah, I feel, I feel, I feel you. I'm feeling you with no hands, dog. Fiend, you was gonna say something earlier. No, I was saying, I just was adding on that he was correct. You know, this is a fact. Anyone tuned in, I noticed a huge crowd that come on this platform. Hip hop music is the most influential culture in the world. You know what I'm saying? So you know, it take a strong, it take a strong hit individual to know. Look. I'm gonna put out there what I want to get back. Thank you. You know what I'm Thank saying? You. I see where you're going with this, and I'm gonna tell you what makes it so cool is that you're catching on to it while you still got your youth. Yeah, yeah. You I don't want to do it on forty. It don't. It don't look authentic. I know at forty, like it's gonna be hard for me to reach the the youth. So like, let me show them like a young dude. Like we don't gotta do it that way. We can do it this way and be just as successful. You know? Man, you you being a songwriter, you are, and I keep saying that because you a rapper, a real dope rapper, but your songwriting and pen game with melodies and stuff, dog, you could be a hell of a songwriter, dog. Thank you. Thank I don't you. know if you're doing that already, but it's something you should probably get into, dog. If you ain't doing it already, writing for other people and writing R&B and shit, you need to be on that, dog. Got you. I got you, see you. That, do you see that coming in your future? Uh, I definitely see it coming in my future. It's something I've uh, already been toying with, you know what I mean? Because at the time, like, because at the same time, I record so much, um, so much, and like, like I said, it, 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 a lot of the songs I record may not fit where I'm at mentally, but it could fit mm -hmm. a different artist or R&B lane or something like that. Because, like I say, I really want mine to make sense. It have to go. It has to go with my story. But I'm just such a creative person. I'm creating all times like different type of music. Like I don't want to be categorized. Because I'm an artist, like not just a rapper. I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. Like when I the mic the microphone, um, is my canvas. I let my voice be my paintbrush. You see what I'm saying? So yeah, it's for real. The art I'm out here giving, like you know what I'm saying, just on how you accept it, man. But I love to create. It's about creating. I mean, and like if I can get some of these dope songs to somebody else, like get my paperwork right, as long as they know I wrote it, we good to go. And God, and God knows some of these Negroes need you. <laughs> God knows some of them need you. Y'all here, y'all holler at the homie Rich for his throwaways. Because you probably got a hit in the throwaways. I got him. I got him. I got you probably him. got a hit. So holler at him. Holler at my man to come with your pen and your checkbook. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Because he up on this game now. Let's pay some bills real quick and check in with our sponsors. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, 
or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. 
Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let me ask you this, man. You had some amazing opportunities come your way because you was you on a hell of a run and restart. I'm proud of you, though, because you kicking it back off. Yes, sir. When did the Rick's Gang situation come about? Um... The Rich Gang situation came about, um, I would say, probably beginning 15, end of 14, if I'm not mistaken, and don't quote me. But the situation came about, man, uh, I probably had met, met Thug six months prior. And the first mm-hmm. day I met him, man, first day I went in the studio, we do get the fuck out of my face. So after get the fuck out of my face, we get back in the studio the next night. It goes from that night to damn near us getting in the studio during the week. Because the weekend we were both be busy and booked. So us going in the studio collaboratively, collaborate, uh collaboratively recording together, but still mm-hmm. being a photo artist. Like me and Thor was never a group. And I'm gonna tell you how the group thing came about. So it went for us to record at a location. The location either the studio got shut down or something, we changed locations, we ended up recording at Dark, which was Dallas Austin old studio at the time. A historic place in Atlanta. So we were recording at Dark. And Bird, like at this time, he's already fooling with Bird. He's like, Man, you know, Bird want to meet y'all. I said, Bring him up into the yo, bring him to the studio. Bird comes like a week later, like, Man, I love what y'all are doing. And we still just recording for, you know, like we just collectively recording together. We don't got no situation. We just like the way we sound with each other. It sounds dope to us, so we're going to keep recording. Bird being the business man, he got like, Hey, look, nephew, I just, uh, I just rented a, a studio out for three months. Y'all ain't got to worry about nothing. I'm like, cool, cool. So we up here every day now. So as we're up here every day, Bird up there, we got the tour bus up there. Shit. Bird that Bird basically living in that room on the tour bus. Or he had that, That's uh, him. That's stunning, man. Yeah, you feel me? So even to this day, uh, now I'm going to get past that. So we had the studio recording. Again, he just like, hey, look, man, we got to put this out. Like, how we going to put it out? I know Thug signed that Atlantic. I got this situation with TIG. You cash money. You know what I'm saying? Like this, like mm-hmm. this type of question. Like, nah, we're just gonna put it together under rich guy. I thought it made sense at the time. Let's do it. Boom. Then come out the hottest shit in the world. And this right before streaming. Like music hasn't even it I was it, music hasn't even it's not even streaming yet. It's turning, but it hasn't got there because I like people telling me it's gonna go to streaming. And I'm like, I hear what you're saying, but we putting them up on iTunes with the Like that's how the rich game situation came. I'm gonna jump back on this rich game stuff, but I wanna yeah. talk to you about streaming real quick. You came in in the game at a funny time mm-hmm. because it was kind of already phased out the CDs, but people were still buying CDs of little something, something. Exactly. iTunes was cracking. You had, you know, you got yeah. iTunes cracking, streaming one like it is because you would have made bank, dog. You'd have made even more money, probably. And this system is today, dog, with the streaming. Yeah. yeah. You, you'd have made a bankroll, dog. Um, let's go back to this risk game situation. 
I'm surprised y'all wasn't tied up in a bunch of shit behind that, like you said, because thugs flying to Atlantic. Yeah. Cash money is but universal. And keep in mind, like I tell you, like, I'm young at this time. Mm-hmm. I just know, like, I end up doing this song called Cash Money on my second mixtape, uh, with Walkthrough was on. Um, so that mixtape, I ended up doing this song called Cash Money. When I first did the song, Bird wanted to buy the song for me. Me, like, I'm not selling my song. Bird, you can hop on this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So it went from him hopping on it. Man, I still had metal. And then I end up, uh, I think he ended up reaching out to my dad or something. We wanted to like, cause once the rich gang thing got out, it came to a point where like, well shit, who put the music out? That's what everybody asking me, like, who put the music out? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like fly, like, who put the music out? You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like, I wasn't looking for no money from Bird because I knew my paperwork was I know once this shit gets spent anyway, man, I'm gonna get my bill. I know my I know my entertainment lawyer is going to get what's mine. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Real. But as far as if I already put that shit out, bro, man, he did that shit. Like he did what he did. Cause I know um at one point, I remember it was a big thing, you know, the media heels, they put it out there that you left the group. Mm-hmm. But it was never really a group. It was just you, you and your homie making songs and Bird happened to take interest in it. Yeah, it, Bird took interest in it. And I kind of started falling back. Um, I started feeling different. Like we would do shows, and egos played a big role in that. You know what I'm saying? Um, egos played a big role in that. I just started falling back, man. Like I say, uh, we ain't know what. Well, I, I my people putting me like, bro, corn. The music out, like you're doing shows, but we can't really account for the music because we didn't put it out. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And in two or three months, uh, when I talked about the records getting leaked, uh, Bird told her he paid for the studio. He never paid for one day in there, so the studio leaked all the music. So the studio leaked all the music. So so Bird pretty much had y'all in there under the inception, and everything was Gucci. Yeah. And he kind of puts you in a situation because them songs being leaked, that yeah. actually derailed you for a little bit. Yeah, it did. Yeah, those songs being leaked. Yeah, it derailed me for a little bit. Um. Derailed me a whole lot. Like you say, like those songs, man, like some of those were from my debut album. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, I'm like, I treat all of them like my babies, but that definitely derailed me. Um, but I just, I still like me, me being young, I didn't look at it like I wasn't mad because I felt like it was still part of my dream. Like, man, I just want to be heard. Right? Well, of course, I probably didn't get confiscated what I was supposed to get. I know a nigga ain't chumped me off, man. I ain't go to bird with my hand up. Of course, business is business. And I know, mm-hmm. like, if this motherfucker get played in the world, I'm going to get paid. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is, man. And I'm going to go back, man. Um, and I'm not going to make this whole interview about that. But and shout out to Birdman. Me and Birdman is all right. Me, cool yeah. nigga. But he has a reputation. For sure that. For sure that. For not handling business. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My personal experience with him. My, one of my artists, Glass Malone, was signed to Cash Money, and you know, shout out to our attorney because Bird did every fucking thing he was supposed to do. Sure. Shout out, you know, shout out to Stunner. But he does have that reputation, bro, because his mind state is just like corporate America. Or oh, well, let him take me to court. Yeah, for real talk, real talk. I ain't paying for shit. They can take me to court because he know. Let's say I owe a motherfucker a million dollars, right? This is his mindset. Let's say I owe a motherfucker a million dollars. He needs that money, obviously. And the longer that we prolong that, the longer we go into court and all that shit, he's spending he's money. Yeah, he's so gonna he, he gonna, he, he's not going to be able to afford to go to court. Exactly. So I'm not going to wait it out on 
Yeah, because I'm going to tell you what stunning man go do. He go call you. Hey, man, I got a few dollars for you, my nigga. Let that other shit go. Uh-huh. And he go get and he go get two or three new beats from you. Hmm. Yeah, While you're sure. doing that, he go get some other shit. So he's definitely a hustler. Yeah, sure. And it's hard to be mad at the nigga when you meet him. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't never mad at brother. You know what I'm saying? Of course, I well, should be. Well, you can't be, bro, because you obviously did the smart thing. And one thing I admire about you even more now is that you never said nothing about that to not. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You, yeah. never, you, never put, you never put him out there like, man, this nigga ain't paying his bills, man. He owed me this and that. You know what I mean? You yeah. kept a player and kept it moving because that's what players do. And at the time, like, man, that was a, like a very exciting part of my life. Like, I wouldn't Oh, yeah, have, for sure. I wasn't having no money problems. Like, still ain't. But, of course, you want what's rightfully due to you. I'd be a fool and lie like I don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, for real, for real. For real, for real, dog. So let's come up, man, to the present. I'm going to ask you something, man. And please, you don't have to answer if you want to. Do you ever feel at some point, man, that it was somebody behind the scenes trying to pull springs, man, to slow your road down? Do you feel like uh, you ever got blackballed? Because you was you was had too much momentum. And you're getting it back now, dog. But you had way too much I was really expecting you to be like that next Drake type of nigga, dog, to where you selling the five, 10 million albums going diamond and shit. All right, too. And then it kind of just like, like, damn, mm-hmm. where, where, what's the name at? You know what I mean? What, what happened, I, dog? What I say, somebody here, they back saw me. Uh, I can't even say that, man. What I can say is the time I was dropping music, I just ain't have a team, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's hard. Like, you could be the, you could be the most talented nigga in the world, bro. But without a team and court in a circle, it's like dropping music on that field. The people hitting music now because I got a team with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's one thing I started realizing. Like, the music ain't never been not dope. The music has always been dope. But like in this game, you have to have a team. And I ain't just talking about no manager and um not, Man, um, you need a manager, publicist, all kind of stuff. It's exactly. all kind of stuff you need. PR, you need a team, PR, you need a POR. Right. From, you need your engineer on hand. And I mean, like, stuff like of that nature because you work every day. And there's no off day when you're grinding. And you got to think, Ben, I done had a taste before. And I feel I want to go further than what you saw me then. then. I haven't scratched the surface, if you ask me. You are on the incline, dog, not on the decline. You mm-hmm. can see it. Because when they hit me, when my producer for the show, Taylor, when our producer for the show, Taylor, hit me, I said, hell yeah. That's one of my favorite young niggas. You know what I mean? Because of the fact you make music, dog. You make music and it's real soulful and melodic, dog. That's one thing about the South. You yeah. can almost hear the gospel in all the rappers, dog. I don't care if you're from Texas, Miami, whatever. You can hear the church, dog. I almost see a preacher up there, a big black dude up there, you know, sweat. <laughs> with the handkerchief. And the but you, you know, real. front dancing. Yeah. That's real. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and you can hear, dog. Uh, now, I want to go to some dog in your present situation. I assume you're on you releasing this yourself, right? Yes, sir. Um, independent. I got a distro. You got, so you got a you got distribution situation. Are you happy? You know, being the artist that you are, you've seen both sides of the point because Tig got picked up by a major label. Which would you prefer to be on a major label, dog, or independent, running your own show like you are now? Me, uh, it has to be the independent, and I'm gonna tell you why. Cause I've had the both, you know what I'm saying? And like to any new artist out there, like I don't want to change your mind. A label deal may be the best situation for you. That's why I tell every artist, do what's best for them. 
And what's best for me, staying independent. And I say that because, man, it's nothing like having that creative control. It's nothing like being able to drop when you want to drop. It's nothing like dropping without all the red tape and, you know, yellow flags. So, like, those are my biggest perks. But you still got your person signing with a label. So that's why I say do what's best for you. So with a label, oh, man, you got these project managers. It's way more people on your team, but way more uh, motherfuckers dipping in your check because with a record deal, dog, when they tell you that you getting that you got to recoup, dog. See what people don't understand. It's like you making seven dollars, but they only count crediting you for a dollar. Say it again. You feel what I'm saying? So you would never, you would never ever recoup, recoup, or like I felt like you'll never ever know just what's what's really going on. Because the mm-hmm. money's not coming to you, you can pay less. It's your money, but you can pay less off your money. It didn't make any sense. And oh, like yeah. me, like the way I was brought, like like I said, man, if I'm the catch, I need to be getting the money first, then paying the team. That's just that's just that's the way my mind. It's not me being yeah. selfish. It's just me knowing my worth. And, you know. Yeah. Now we talked about Atlanta earlier. Atlanta is hot as fish grease. Now, not just as music. Y'all got a lot of pistol play going on out there, dog. I thought L.A. was bad in Chicago. Y'all right. right up, y'all right up there, dog. And I think it's because you know you got the gas station. It's a nigga with a big ass iron on the side of his hip. You know what I'm saying? But they they there, up. You know they out there doing it like that, man. With that being said, are you still presently in Atlanta? Uh, yes, man. Born and raised. And it's about like anywhere you go, man. I'm not saying I won't never leave, but you know, it's my city. And you got to be caught. I respect Atlanta. I respect the territories and just knowing how to move and respecting everybody's space, man. If I see that dude at the gas station with the 30, I'll make sure I speak to him first. I'll make him feel known first, man. And it's about knowing, you know what I'm saying? It ain't got nothing to do with me being scary, just me respecting my territory, man. And know what come with these young niggas, man. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what one of the things that make Atlanta dangerous, dog, is I got family down there. My mama down there and everything else, so I'm in the A all the time. Yeah. The thing is, down there, dog, that make it real dangerous is it just ain't Atlanta people that's natives of Atlanta down there. You got motherfuckers, and it's usually the worst of the worst motherfuckers. You got yeah. motherfuckers coming from Brooklyn. Yeah. You got niggas Chicago. coming from L.A., Chicago. And they usually bringing all their baggage with them and all their bullshit. That, and that they bring in the culture from those cities here to Atlanta, and this ain't that type of city though. So I ain't gonna lie, like a lot of the, a lot of the ATL, they've been with people who's from it, born and raised. A lot of us, a lot of them are leaving, man, because the the the, the culture of the city is not felt, not heavily felt like it used to be, um, ten years ago or seven years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of the older people ain't going to the parks, the Piedmont parks, no more to go walk. Standing house, man, because it would have been so much gun violence. Yeah, because I know one of the things I was about to move to Atlanta, man, had a house already set up and everything, and I was about to rent my crib to one of my homeboys out here mm-hmm. in LA, right? And the thing that stopped me from moving down there, I remember I was down there, I stayed down there for like two weeks. I'm filling the city out, I'm going to the school district, you know, doing all the shit you do when you're getting ready to move, right? Mm-hmm. I'm at the gas station, dog. And I hear somebody say, still. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck? And I'm thinking, it couldn't be nobody talking to me. I don't know nobody out here. And the people I do, they not out here in no gas station. Still. Cuz, what's happening, my nigga? And I'm like, what's up, man? When you get down here, when you get down here, cuz? And I'm like, man, you know, I'm about to come on down in a minute. Man, you know, me and the homies, one of them down there. 
And these, I'm talking about this nigga, he a cool cat. He an acquaintance of mine, a nigga I know. But I'm like, man, if this nigga down here, ain't no telling who the fuck yeah. else down here. Come on, and then I- once I saw he was right around a couple blocks from where I was moving to, I said, hell, and I told my wife, I said, this is a no-go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I'm escaping some shit and I'm coming right to the same bullshit. I, just I don't blame. I don't blame. <laughs> Atlanta's so small. It's so small, bro. It's smaller than what you know what you think it is. Like Atlanta, it's so small, bro. Like, you know everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and if you don't know them, you got a family member who does. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, for real. For real. Let's tap in real quick with the people that allow us to bring you this amazing content. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you know what? One thing I wanted to ask, Afeen, maybe you can elaborate on this. I noticed that every region of the South has their own unique sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Atlanta, right about now, is the most bit sound and most duplicated and replicated sound in the motherfucking country. I always want to go ahead. It works. (laughs) It looks good. So our people that 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 don't that 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 see the dude on the corner, you know, and he used to shine a ball or make something of himself. He got his life together. Atlanta has given, in so many different eras, a great version of, hey, if you're black and you want to be successful, yeah, you want to be able to ball and ride around other people that ball and not be ashamed <laughs> of me to feel bad because you're balling. For sure. Come here. And Atlanta is super inviting like that. But what Homie is, is expressing is something that I think, I honestly think, is something that's happening in a lot of major cities that are known for their wins and that encourage us as a community of what we look like to each other, right? All yeah. of it's changing. The gentrification in, in one aspect and just what your neighborhood is not the same no more. At all. You know, no one has respect for the elders, no one, you know what I'm saying? No one is processing, um, you know, oh, this is the big homie. He has succeeded. Let me watch his footsteps to make it. Now they won't, oh, I'll take his shit. Yeah, you, for sure. You know, why would we hurt somebody that's uplifting us so much? Mm-hmm. 
So I think Why? those layers has changed. Mm -hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? But to, to fall back, of course, Atlanta has influence. And why wouldn't have Atlanta influence? I think most record companies say, God damn, this is doing so well. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think people, there's no different than seeing Michael Jackson moonwalk across mm -hmm. the stage. You know what I'm saying? I want to do that shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah. you, you got to respect that. So, man, like a major, major... Um, salute to the state of Georgia for Atlanta, Georgia, from zone one to zone, wherever that's that zone six. Thank you, Quan. Like, man, bro, you got to raise, uplift people that inspire you mm -hmm. and set the bar. You know what I'm saying? And set the bar. Quan then gave birth to a lot of artists out there. And that's for what I was going to say. I'm yeah. going to tell you. Yeah. You gave birth to a lot of artists, and I think a lot of the credit always, a lot of credit gets thrown Young Thug's way, and he's a dope, influential dude. Very influential cat. But you was kind of like the pre precursor to all that stuff. You was right there at the beginning, dog. Like, really, you are probably responsible for the melodies coming in the game. Hey, man. Hey, man. You, you and Drake. I would say you and Drake, y'all force motherfuckers, because if you was one of them the average nigga that got bars couldn't make it in this area because you got to be able to hold a note now. Yeah, you got to be able to see people yeah. think it's just about turning on auto tune. No, you got to still be able to sing to a degree. Is that That's you got to make everything and sound believable, man? Yeah, for real. You know, I made mean, young singers want to sing. Yeah, you dig though because you can actually sing. It's like man, I'm like man because at first I was like man, is he an R and B dude? Is he <laughs> like a you know maybe like yeah. a hybrid now? But you gave birth to a lot of people like I, and this is a no knock against these young people because everybody, everybody has origins somewhere else. Everybody was influenced by somebody. For sure, for sure. That. You know, so if you look at people now like the little homie Roddy Rich, mm -hmm. you can tell he was definitely influenced by Atlanta. So in specific, the rich homie Quans. Yeah, well, he's from the West Coast, right? Yeah, he's from the West Coast. You don't sound like you would think he's from the A. That's if what I'm saying. Roddy Rich right now, you would think he's from the A. Bro, I'm going to tell you. Shout out to shout out to little, little homie dog. He used to actually record at me and Glass's studio in Signal Hill before he got on. Mm -hmm. And I I knew he was tight, but I it's a whole that's the thing about hip hop now, dog. Everybody can rap a little bit. Yeah. So it's very seldom I hear some shit that's just trash, but that raises the bar because if you just right here, dog, and you're not right here, everybody is looking to go right here. Yeah, exactly. You feel what I'm saying? So I remember we had Crazy Bones. He had launched his weave train, and we had a party at this bank in Beverly Hills. I had this little spot that I was doing content out of in Beverly Hills, right? So we had a party for his train release. And the DJ up there, that was the first week, I think, the boxer came out, and I heard it. But I saw how the floor went up. It went from being just a party to where niggas listen to music. Mm -hmm. Now niggas moving couches out the way they out in that motherfucker rocking. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, And I remember the way they mixed the record in because the DJs, one thing I'm going to tell artists before I jump my thing, get you a DJ on your team. Sure. A real DJ, a nigga that DJ actually goes to work in clubs and shit because that motherfucker knows what's happening. Sure. So the way the DJ broke this record in, he played some of your records. Then he came back, he played some Thug. Yeah. He played some other shit. Then he came in with that I don't know what the fuck this nigga is saying, but I'm like, this shit jamming like a motherfucker. My big ball head ass on the floor rocking because it's jamming. 
<laughs> it's a feel that y'all niggas got. Like that lifestyle record, I didn't know what the fuck Thug or Bird was saying. All I knew they was going. And I'm a one car jam, I'm like a motherfucker. The shit is infectious as hell, dog. And I think the thing that people do love about Atlanta, and I swear to God, y'all niggas stay in your own cities. Don't go down there and fuck the AF. Come on, man. Please. Please. Don't go fuck the AF. Don't bring your cripping shit down there. Don't bring your blood and shit down there. Don't bring none of your gangster disciple shit. Let that be the, our black mecca, dog. Because yeah, that's yeah. what I did like about it, dog. I like the fact, and this ain't, I love everybody, dog. Shout out to my Mexican people. Shout out to the white folks. I love, I'm all about love and respect for everybody. But when I go in a Mexican restaurant, I want to see a little old Mexican lady with her little apron on, dog, making my tacos and shit. I don't want to go back there and see no nigga with no ankle bracelet on. Red you know thumb. what I mean? I yeah. want the authenticity. When I go to a soul food restaurant, I want to see a black old man at the counter with a grip of money in his pocket. With the old lady in the back, a fat black lady in the back, fixing my plate. I don't want to go back there and see nobody else. In Atlanta, that's what I loved about a dog. I actually felt like I was at home, dog. I could walk down the street, motherfuckers actually speak to you. And I'm talking about black excellence, dog. Not no motherfuckers speaking proper English. Yeah. yeah. Motherfuckers proper vocabulary, dog. How you doing, brother? I was down there, man. I felt so motherfucking good about being black out there. Sometimes we forget who we are as a people, dog. Yeah. I feel so good, and I love my brothers and sisters. Yeah, That's what we don't want to lose in Atlanta, man. We don't, don't lose that. Don't fuck it up, dog, because that really, and I, it hurt me, dog, not only because that, y'all shit cheap was cheaper than motherfucker at that time. Yeah. I had me a big-ass spot, dog. You figure I'm coming from L.A., round paid like seven fifty. For some three bedroom shit, two thousand square feet, I go down there and I'm like, "What? Our mortgage is gonna be what?" And I got a big ass backyard. I go out there. I'm already putting a spot where I'm gonna plant my greens and shit in the backyard. I'm gonna have a real, you know, I'm I'm setting up for my latter years, dog. I'm thinking about fifteen years from now when I'm an old nigga sitting on my porch drinking lemonade and going back fucking with my greens and my fruit trees. You know, I saw that dog. It was really discouraging, dog, because and the thing that really People need to do something about dog. I talked to the homie Big Gip about this. Atlanta, people of Atlanta, real citizens. I'm talking about people born and raised there. Don't let these outfly side influences turn you into some other shit. So, a lot of Atlanta niggas is picking up LA habits. They're picking up Chicago habits. They're picking up all this. And it's just, man, what is your thought on all the black on black crime? See, we always talk about these police officers. It's out here whooping on us. We do each other way dirty. Yeah, we, killing more, we killing way more than us in the police. Hell yeah. That's something I ain't never understood or just like agreed with. Man. Like, we always talking about it ain't enough of us, but we continue to, you know, harm each other. Like, remember my house got broken into like probably like a year ago. It wasn't no white people. I know it was some niggas, man. It probably some niggas you knew, dog. Yeah, you know, like you just know that. Like, come on, man. I feel like we just got to do better. As the people, and like that's any black person, man. You know what I mean? We just gotta come together as as the people. Like my buddy was telling me something. A white man can tell another white man fuck him. The niggas to be drinking that same night. You tell a black man fuck you now. It's basically like fuck your whole bloodline. You don't want his kids, your kids. It's up. Be black yeah. man, another black man fuck him. It's up. I feel like we just gotta find that love for each other, man. We all come from similar backgrounds. 
I don't give a damn how like how different it was. They're similar some way, man. We got similarities. We the same color, man. We got to stick together, bro. That's the only way we're gonna last. It's the only way we're gonna you know that our voice gonna be heard. We gotta stick together. Yeah, for sure. Cause I know one thing Atlanta did do is like I said, I don't been running in and out of there for some years, even when I wasn't, you know, in the industry, so mm-hmm. to speak. Y'all always been some hustling motherfuckers, but that's every city down south. Yeah. And they always had, the homies from Atlanta always had some kind of scheme going. I know y'all like, they like to fuck with them credit cards down there. They like to fuck with that dope. You know what I mean? That's what they was into, dog. It wasn't a whole bunch of killing going on, bro. But I saw some shit. Have y'all heard this man that it was an inmate in Georgia in a maximum security prison that robbed a man for millions of dollars from his cell? And bought the house. And bought houses and shit off an iPhone, dog. Yeah, man. If that don't motivate a motherfucker to get off his ass and go out and get it, dog. That's Atlanta for you. That's what I'm saying. Sounds like No, he's an Atlanta nigga. Yeah. This motherfucker, I'm going to read the article real quick, y'all. So I'm going to look down real quick. So don't think I'm looking like this. In a real life saga with plot twist straight out of Hollywood, federal authorities believe a man locked away in the Georgia prison stole $11 million from a billionaire movie mogul and may have gotten away with stealing millions more from other billionaires. The story involves gold coins, a private plane, duffel bag stuff for cash, and the Buckhead Mansion. Mm. A mansion up in Buckhead. That's a balling-ass spot out there. Yeah, he just got And it adds up to potentially one of the biggest heists ever pulled off from inside an American prison. Made even more startling by the fact that the inmate was in the Georgia Department of Corrections Special Management Unit, a maximum security facility designed to house the state's most hardened criminals. For more than two years, federal agents and attorneys have been sifting through evidence that believe points to how 31-year-old Arthur Lee Coyfield assumed the identity of California billionaire Sidney Kimmel and stole $11 million from Kimmel Charles Schwab account. Mm. So this is a rich motherfucker. Yeah. And this Atlanta ass nigga inside of jail don't hack into this nigga system from a phone, dog. That's it wasn't right, dog, but it took him a lot of time planning the execution. Of course. Just imagine if that brother he had to be a pretty a dude of above average intellect and intelligence to figure this out, plot it, and to get away with it as long as he did. Now greed might have got the best of him. And his mindset is probably like, fuck it, I'm in here anyway. What the hell they gonna do to me? Hey, you talking about? You feel what I'm saying? So just imagine if he had put them superpowers in a positive direction. He probably wouldn't be in there. He'd probably be CEO of some company somewhere. Yeah, he probably would, man. No telling. For every nigga that make it in Atlanta, how many niggas you think are locked up right now, dog, despite the coldest motherfuckers you don't ever heard? Most of them, man. I feel like most of the talent in jail. Most of them. That's, that's crazy, man. Oh, so, Fiend, let me ask you this, because you from the opposite end, because you from a city that's been known, like, New Orleans been killing up shit for years, dog. Yeah, not nothing to be proud of, but it's, it's true. They've been killing up shit for years. I'm going to ask both of y'all this, both rappers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when you in the industry, you have a costume. Even as me, as an executive, I had a costume. I knew when I stepped into a war show, I was going to have on a $10,000 suit. I was going to have on a Rolex. You know what I'm saying? I was going to have on some fly. Because like you said, we it's not that we like to flaunt our success, but you have to look the part or you're not going to be able to do business. Mm-hmm. If I show up to meet with somebody, if I show up to meet with you as an artist and you see I pull up in a motherfucking Nissan, <laughs> motherfucking, you know, 
hubcaps, one of them motherfuckers, shit falling off, shit smoking and shit. And I'm talking about I want to sign you to a record deal. You can get up and walk away. I could have a billion dollars in the bank. That's just what I'm on. But you go get up and walk away. Or you may take the meeting just out of courtesy. Like, man, I ain't fucking with that broke ass nigga. The nigga pulled up here and this and that. His shirt was dirty and everything else. But if I come up looking to park, if I pull up in a Range Rover or some kind of truck or some shit, and I got the motherfucking you blow on, and I got the pinky ring on and shit, and I'm, I got it, I'm reaching in the pocket. You just, you know, that's what they do, right? Uh-huh. I could be the brokest motherfucker in the world, but I don't sold you the dream. You go, you you probably go do some business with me because I looked apart. So you had to look apart. How does all the silly shit that's going on right now force you to move as a rapper? Do you think about sometimes, man? Maybe I'm not gonna put my costume all the way on the day. I'm gonna get clean. I'm gonna throw me like right now. You look perfect. You see what I'm saying? You got ball cap on. You look like a rapper. But you're not overly, you know, you ain't got yeah, no oh, yeah, you're not overly saturated and yeah. you know what I'm saying like yeah. So when you go in these cities, man, like I don't know, this time is just I'm only putting like everything on when I'm going on stage. I don't need like all that shit around my neck like that. It's uncomfortable. And I ain't trying to be in character too long. Like I don't like to be in character when I'm on stage. Other than that, like I'm in character most of the time, but I'm trying to be the regular character. People can relate to characters. So I'm not bringing myself too much attention. Well, you know what I'm saying? What's yeah, for real, man. So, family and moolah, dog. How long was you working on that project before you decided to put it out? Like, what was the process behind everything? Uh, the process, process is like I don't know. Like, I probably some songs are older. Some songs might be like two years, three years old. Some songs was recent a month ago, you know. But it's more so like. I just try to create timeless music. I don't really have a process. I just try to miss the studio. When I got a lot on my mind, I just want to release. I go in to record. When I know we want to uh, come together to do a project, I wanted all the music to be entwined. So I would say I focused on just like what I had been doing, what got me back. Want to go, what got me back motivated. And it was family and some money. You feel me? Family and some money. Yeah, I just want to drop, you know, a project around and stuff that inspired me to get back in that zone. And the public, now that you got a, now that you have your label situation, are you looking to eventually sign other talent or bring other talent onto that label and develop other talent? Yes, of course. I don't know about, uh, yeah, of course I would develop some talent. I would probably develop some talent before I sign some talent. Um, but I've been more in tune with like the production side. Um, mm-hmm. Me and produ- my production company signing producers, man. Cause like, I want to go another 10 years, another 12 years in order to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to have the dopest beats because I want to create, continue to create. It's really hard for me to focus on artists when I'm still so focused on myself right now. I feel that, dog, and that's a, that's a real thing. You know, um, I, like I said earlier, I managed a rapper named Glasses Malone, right? And what's funny is y'all's story the same. He doesn't want a record deal. We've had a few people contact us recently, you know, for single deals and stuff of that nature to get back in that building. And after he had his second major record deal, he said, I never want a major record deal again because I'm not in control of my finished. He said, I'm not in control of my finished product because what they did in the midst of us, we were signed to Sony first. We had a big ass deal with Sony. They gave us all that money, then shut the black music department down six months later. It was the weirdest shit ever. Mm. So we got to walk away, not only with the money, but they paid for every song we had was paid for, dog. Every everything we did, dog. So we had a whole bunch of records. We had, you know, his album was done. We had Wyclef John, that motherfucker. The moment we signed the cash money, 
that record might well got thrown in the trash, dog. Yeah. And it got made into some whole other stuff. And at that time, Glasses didn't quite know who he was as an artist. Mm. You know, this is this, you know, like he's first album. You know, he didn't know who he was. So he wound up listening to everybody else. And he wound up putting a piece out a piece of work that I'm not gonna say is subpar because the album was jamming, but it wasn't what that first album was. Mm. It was a story. The first album was a story, and that's you know, trying to explain that to a record company executive. Because, see, people think when you're going to go sign to a Birdman or Cash Money, yeah, you're dealing with them on a certain aspect, but you're dealing with the people at the label more so than yeah, anything them, else. Yeah, because it's what they say. Yeah, you know, because Birdman is the homies. You go over there, they ain't trying to tell you to change shit. They jamming that motherfucker, dog. They, you know, you're chilling. It's a vibe. But when you go in there and you got some 60-year-old white dude telling you that, that do this, he don't understand, dog. The album is a story. You can't put this song over here. It has the flow a certain way. They don't give a fuck because they spend their money, dog. Yeah. If you want this shit to go your way the way you want it to go, you have to go do it yourself. You got to become the thing. And I can tell you, dog, the smartest shit you say, because I see artists do that sometimes and they play their stuff. They go out and sign 50 artists. Uh-huh. Now, you pull up in a new car that you don't work your ass off to go get. All these artists is looking at you like, man, that's where our money is at, man. Fuck that nigga. He's stealing from us. They ain't made you spending money on them. Yeah. They're not making you no money. And create tension and a lot of other ill, you know what I'm saying, negative thoughts and things start applying. And that and that prevents you from giving people opportunities. How about you, Fiend? Do you not do you does that ever stop you from fucking with artists the way you want to? Uh yeah, man. I, I just think that at the end of the day, you know, you, you got what you're looking to do. You want to help people. You want to bring something to the table. But Quan just hit it on the nose. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, now it gets to looking like shit. You know, everybody's looking to see what they don't have and how come this ain't moving as fast for them. You know what I'm saying? When you've been in the, like, like Ross said, you were with me shooting in the gym. You know, I've hey, man. 50,000 free throws. You know what I'm saying? I look, I'm making yeah, it look easy. I've been doing it for so long. You know what I'm saying? And um, I think that is true. I try to run uh, independent labels. I like to call it like boutique-ish style, you know, boutique-ish management, boutique-ish style production. Like instead of uh, 50 artists, 50 producers, um, 50 managers, I might deal with two, three, and we can all communicate and we can build, you know what I'm saying? People need to see actions. You know what I'm saying? I call it the spin the bin effect. When we spin that bin and they see that we one step closer to something in their own place where they want to be, they could be motivated to keep doing this. You know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. how you say that. At the end of the day, you need a team. People that's going to be able to equally and want to play their part. You know what I'm saying? Everybody sure. can be chief. It's, it's seven days out the week. Guess what? Somebody might got to do this that might be better than the other one. I think most people need to just find their place, be a team, and get there. It's a lot of money. You know, it make as much, if not more, money than the football industry every year. It's enough money for everybody. So me personally, man, to still be able to to, to be able to produce music like Quan doing to this day, you know what I'm saying, with this moolah and money, and still be focused, still be passionate about it, you heard me? I think this is a real good example, especially being showcased, because this stuff is like a vampire, man. It'll drain you. It'll, it'll, it'll take everything from you. You know what I'm saying? It'll try to sure. it'll try to like wear you out and kill you, take your life from you, put you in jail, put you in the ground. It'll make your people turn on you behind what they assume you got. You know what I'm saying? Real shit. You heard me? It'll make so-called friends, family members, just because you got the same last name, 
same bloodline, man. That shit, man, is nothing, man. Man, I got a partner doing three life sentences. You know what he tell me? He said, fiend, greed only gets bigger and never gets smaller. Yeah, the more you get, the more you want. So, Quan, I appreciate you falling through, dog. We done ran over a little bit. But your conversation is so compelling, dog. Thank you, man. I don't want to do the same, you know, um, ending out for your Instagram shit, dog, like that. Can producers, can outside producers get at you? Um, yes, man. Outside producers can get at me. I got this email with my iCloud that I just I, I put out there, man. R H R as in Robert, H as in Hill, the number four, L as in love, R H four L at iCloud.com, man. So I check out my my beats and stuff like that. You have a show. Y'all heard him say the man say looking for producers. Don't be flooding his inbox with no trash. Give me the hottest, man. I need the hottest. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure, man. Well, we appreciate you, man, coming on, dog. Much continue the success, man. Y'all make sure, man, y'all go check the description, man, of the show. We gonna have all his links in there, man. Go jam. The album is jamming like a motherfucker, dog. Jamming. Salute, man. Salute and congratulations on your dog, on your journey, man. Continue success, my G. Man, same to you. Same to you, fam, man. Love, man. Hey, and always we, love, man. Everybody go get that moolah and money now. Rich homie Quan ASAP. No, hold on, man. You got to make sure you send them in the right direction, dog. Family and moolah. Family and moolah. Family and moolah. Family and moolah. I don't want to be giving no other nigga no credit off this shit. Nah, nigga has much rock on the charts. Real like, shit, man, I don't, got the, I don't got the Gangster Chronicle shout out. Now I'm on top. Like, you got to get that back, homie. We out this motherfucker. Well, that concludes another episode of the Gangster Chronicles podcast. Be sure to download the iHeart app and subscribe to the Gangster Chronicles podcast. For Apple users, find a purple mic on the front of your screen, subscribe to the show, leave a comment, and rating. Executive producers for the Gangster Chronicles podcast are Norman Steele, James McDonald, and Aaron MCA Tyler. Our visual media director is Brian Wyatt, and our audio editor is Taylor Hayes. The Gangster Chronicles is a production of iHeart Media Network and the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.